I'm Nicole Halseth with Policy Talks Podcast, and I'm joined here today by the wonderful Dr. Paul Hodge. Paul Hodge is a lecturer in critical development studies and political geography in uh, the discipline of geography and environmental studies at the University of Newcastle in Australia. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you. coming. Now, his research focuses on exploring the ways in which asylum seekers and refugee support and advocacy organizations are nurturing the strengths and capacities of asylum seekers and refugees in Australia. So we're very happy to have you with us today. Thank you for Thank coming. You. Thank you. Uh, so we'll jump right in with the first question. So Paul, can you tell us a little bit about how capacity building of asylum seekers and refugees, what does that look like and why is it so important when you consider other approaches such as securitization and border management? I guess it, it comes from a, a community development perspective. So um, often practitioners, um, certainly in the Australian context, but I'm sure elsewhere too, um, are well, well versed in strengths-based practices, which uh, you know, I, I, you've got capacity building, but I'd probably extend that a bit more. Uh, strengths-based practices is, is, a, is not only a set of tools, um, but also a philosophy in itself to, to, um, uh, to identify, to nurture, to support um, both strengths and aspirations. Um, and so I think that, that focus of uh, a lot of the, the um, service providers, but also advocacy groups and, and other groups, um, has, is, is a real mainstay of, of ensuring that those that are here on various temporary visas and others um, uh, are considered as real people uh, with, with, with aspirations and, and lives just like us. So I think it's really criti critical work and um, it's a, it, it sort of contradicts, if you like, that, that sort of harsh, uh, divisive um, context that the federal government is working in around the securitisation of these, of these people. Uh, so perhaps 10 or 15 years ago, um, people legally seeking asylum would have been um, viewed within um, humanitarian and human rights um, kind of frameworks, but now they've moved to being potential security threats and terrorists. So there's this awful um, uh, trajectory towards illegitimacy that's been sort of set up by the Australian government, which is just horrendous. So these these groups that are working with families and communities at that local level is just sort of so critical and, and crucial. And it's those stories that I'm aiming to shed light on and emphasise as part of a, a counter discourse, a counter narrative to this. Um, securitization of, of border management. So maybe just to follow up a bit on that storytelling aspect there, do you see that allowing refugees and migrants in Australia to tell their own stories as being an important part of the migration management process and of being an important part of uh, refugee integration in communities? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, they've got stories to tell, they've got um, again, capacities, strengths, aspirations as well. Uh, and so I think it's a, um, really, really key and, and, and some organisations have done this really well and, and have uh, former, former refugees or f people from, from refugee backgrounds, uh, even those on various uh, temporary visas working for these organisations. And I think um, there is a real sort of push, there's a real sort of energy, I think, within a lot of them to um, to have more people employed in those roles and actually determining and defining the policies of these different organisations. So really sort of modelling best practice, if you like, um, and saying, look, um, we need to be employing people that know the best because they've actually experienced that and gone through that, that process. So I think it's, it's really key and 
um, and some of these organisations have also sort of set up their own um, uh, research units. Uh, Refugee Council of Australia is one of those, but there's others. And so, uh, and and people from various backgrounds and have have had this experience uh, are doing the research, and I think that's really key too. Um, if you've got people that have experienced that, uh, determining what the research looks like, how it's framed, um, I think I think they're on the right track, and, and it's wonderful to be associated with and sort of know people within these organisations. Absolutely. So let's clarify the role of international organisations. So what exactly is their role and what do you think are some of the challenges and opportunities they face in doing their work in Australia? Yes, I'm kind of looking at the more local organisations, those that are working at the sort of domestic um, city level uh, and also community level. So I guess um, I, I, I know less about the sort of larger international organisations, but certainly um, those that have been involved in um, the detention um, situation in Nauru and, and Manus Island and so on um, have, have found themselves um, kind of complicit in that managing managing migration um, and have find it have found it quite hard to shake that that um, that complicity that that relationship with the government and um, almost doing the government's work and, and all the difficulties that goes with that in terms of their legitimacy and, and so on so I'm, I'm sort of more interested in, in that sort of local scale, um, that community scale, um, and so the challenges that those local community organisations face is that divisive kind of overarching narrative uh, and um, divisive gov government um, um, political positioning, I guess, of, of setting up binaries between illegal and, and non and non-legal, so sort of um, and, and citizenship and non-citizenship. So these are sort of manufactured binaries um, to, I guess, um, to win votes ultimately. Uh, and and that's, that's been the difficulty. While there's been, I think, uh, shifts in the, in the Australian public, there has been, a, I guess, a broader um, feeling that this is not right um, uh, across the board, but, but still um, uh, the two major parties anyway. Um, the, the Greens aren't, aren't part of that. They're, they're definitely for and, and have all sorts of support initiatives and so on and, and different policies but the major two parties um, um, seem to, to toe this sort of um, this um, harsh line as a way of getting voted back in. So do you see that changing in the next few years? Do you think there will be this shift in discourse to be more supportive of migration uh, integration in communities? Uh, look, look. I'm hopeful. I'm always hopeful. Uh, so, um, but but again, it's it's the pressure from the broader community. I think that that needs to. That's where it needs to sort of happen. Um, um, uh, in the in the immediate future, I'm not too hopeful. But but certainly, um, I think I think uh, there's a lot of great initiatives at that local level. So if they can be sort of scaled up in some way, we're, we're definitely in the right the right um, direction. Absolutely. So in regards to your recent work in Australia with asylum seekers and refugee support and advocacy organisations, do you see this work as helping to successfully create a more positive narrative around refugee organisations and refugee issues in Australia? Yeah, definitely. And um, a colleague from the University of Newcastle, um, Faith Curtis, she's been working, uh, looking at the interviews as well, and, and there's been amazing kind of... Um, um, stories that are emerging out of those interviews around this and uh, what we found was was that um, 
organisations aren't kind of used to being asked um, questions around strengths. Like often researchers will come in and there will be um, uh, a more sort of a negative tone or it'll, it'll be about the challenges, um, in other words. Whereas we've gone in there and sort of looking for the stories of strengths and you know, what, what, um, what the strengths-based sort of um, approach to initiatives what um, change does that does it, do you see in, in, in the lives of those legally seeking asylum as part of as part of their um, sense of community and and, and, and care uh, and so on? So I think the the, narr the the positive narrative is a key one, and that's been identified by some of the organisations as well that I've been talking to. Um, so uh, there's a lot of work to be done, but but I remain very hopeful. Um, um, given the kind of success stories that are emerging out and, and the kind of success stories that I want to shed light on and we want to share with the broader community uh, as part of our work. Yeah, I think it is very important to remain hopeful. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for uh, coming yeah. and speaking with us today. That no was uh, Paul Hodge. Thank you. Thank you.